This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello, and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by, uh, by the, the wonderful Angela Miles Beeching. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dennis. Nice to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> I've, I'm a big fan of your book. Um, I was I was saying bef- right before we came on, I, it, I, I've had it for years and I can't finish it. I, it, I get half a page and I get so inspired by what, by what you're saying that I just, I put it down and I run off and I do, do stuff <laughs> and then I come back and then I can't even get through the half a page because I'm inspired again to go run off and do stuff. <laughs> it's oh, that, a nice... was my, that was my goal to make people not read. <laughs> <laughs> to make more music. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a nice consistent kick in the pants every time I pick it up. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, for for anybody who who lives under a rock, um, could you um, introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about you know who you are, what you do, and uh, a bit about your background. Sure. So, um, I'm Angela Beeching, and I started out as a cellist, and I never in a million years imagined that I would work in career services or entrepreneurship, but that is what I have done. Um, And I wrote the book Beyond Talent out of frustration because at the time there was nothing like this. And I I found myself, uh, at the time I was working at New England Conservatory and I had all these students and alumni asking questions about careers, how do they get Mm -hmm. started, and there was really no source for that. So I really wrote the book out of frustration and it's um, gone through two editions, two revisions, and I'm working on the third now. Nice. But, but as I said, I, I started out as a cellist, and I, I never intended to, to do this kind of work. <laughs> so, um, but it's a happy accident because I find that I'm really fascinated by the process mm-hmm. of helping people move forward in their careers because each musician is so completely different and yeah. what will help them, what what their obstacles are, what they perceive as challenges. It's, it's fascinating work. And I, and I love helping people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and any advice is always, it's never one size fits all. It's always your mileage may vary. <laughs> I find. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I, I, at New England Conservatory, I was the director of the career services center. Then for a while I, I did work at Indiana university, helping them start their, um, entrepreneurship program. And most recently, I was at Manhattan School of Music as the director of the Center for Music Entrepreneurship. And in just recently, at the end of June, I went rogue. So mm. I'm a full-time consultant and writer, and I work with individuals and ensembles and institutions. Nice, nice. Um, so when you were building these uh, entrepreneurship programs and, and, and working in, in those, what how do those, I, I'm, I never had that. Um, I'm just a a hair too old, um, to have, have experienced a a lot of those sorts of things. So what do they look like for those of us who, who, who haven't experienced them? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people when they're in school and they're just taking care of the basics, you know, they may just think, Oh, it's the place where I can get help if I'm going to be, um, applying for a grant or I want to start booking my own ensemble, or I just need someone to give me advice on this application or, or cover letter or um, CV, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But um, we've had uh, these kinds of offices can help people with fundraising projects. Um, some, ooh, look at this cat. This is Pistachio. He, he wants attention right now. His name is Pistachio? Yeah. That's He's- a great name. I know. Yeah, very, very good. <laughs> so you, most career centers don't have cats, as far as I yeah. know. <laughs> They're lost. <laughs> yeah, um, and many schools have courses now um, connected to entrepreneurship. Many schools also offer seed money and competitions for projects and mentoring 
all those good things. We um, at NEC and at, at all the schools I've worked with, we had workshops where we bring back alums to talk mm-hmm. about interesting projects, yes. um, how they've managed their careers. And I know you've gone back to your alma mater and mm-hmm. a couple of times. Talks too. So yeah, it really it really helps it. I think, well, certainly when I was in school, this is just the stuff that people didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was a grad student, I actually complained. This was at Stony Brook in, um, on Long Island. I complained because there wasn't uh, specialized help around this. And there was the general university's career center, but nothing specific for the music department. Mm-hmm. So I complained to the chair of the department and he said, write us a proposal. And I didn't know what a proposal was, but I wrote something up and they, they read it. They said, fine, we're going to make this your teaching assistantship. You get to start this thing. Oh. So I was now the response I expected. And they got very motivated, cheap labor, me. Um, I learned a ton. But the whole time, my goal was to get a university tenure track fellow yeah. Um, and play a lot of chamber music. That was the thing I really wanted to do. And I, I always tell people I'm living proof that sometimes you get exactly what you wanted because mm-hmm. I had those kinds of jobs. Yeah. Um, and I got burnt out. It just I found that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm. So um, I had to figure out, okay, what, what am I going to do next? I moved back to Boston. I was there for a while and this job at NEC opened up in career services. And because I'd had that experience as a grad student, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, you know, I could try this for a couple of years. And I was there for 17 because I fell in love with this kind of work. Nice. So, yeah, stranger things have happened. (laughs) (laughs) And you seem to be pretty good at this kind of work, too. Yeah, what's weird, what's weird is that it's like chamber music in some ways in my head. There's this idea of working closely with musicians, um, sort of teasing out ideas, trying to figure out how they're looking at things. Um, there's something very inventive and kind of uh, detective-like in this work. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes total sense. Nice. Um, so... So this, these these programs have, have proliferated, and um, they they seem like they're they're generally doing a ton of good. I know that there's like there are people who are like, no entrepreneurship, ah, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> well, I I reread recently some of the pushback that was. Um, there were some great articles in, in New Music Box. Um, Andrew Lee and um, who was the other guy? Oh, I want to say Andrew Gervais. Is he said, uh, Aaron Gervais. Yeah, he's he's written some stuff. Yeah, so they they brought up really good points. I think mm-hmm. in in some ways entrepreneurship has become a kind of poster child, mm-hmm. and it of course it is not the answer to all of the issues around supply and demand and all of this. Yeah, and and there's a lot of. Um, there are many ways of interpreting the idea of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and there are reasons why people can feel like, oh, someone is presenting this as a Band-Aid to, mm-hmm. to some problems. And I certainly, I mean, I can hear all of that. I, I, I get it. I think the challenge for any of us is to figure out what's a, what's a way that I can make meaningful work happen for myself Mm -hmm. and what are tools that are going to help me get there and i have Mm -hmm. to have my eyes clearly open about the amount of debt i have the value of what i bring to the table Mm -hmm. and you know the good i can do so i'm i'm all in favor for this i think the the word is problematic (laughs) um but and schools of course are slow to Mm -hmm. to react to the to the marketplace but people are trying Mm-hmm. So I think the more alums who can, um, who are willing to work with their, with their their alma maters and and be a resource and try to help um, connect this up, I think it's better for everybody. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I, I know that um, you know talking to students at at my alma mater or, or talking to other alums, we all have our our ways of that we've 
come, you know, come out of school and, and dealt with their careers. And it, yeah, there's, there's no one answer and there's no one path with, with, you know, being entrepreneurial. Yeah. And I, I, I had a, um, I, uh, I, I spent a little bit of time, um, actually in the comment section of, um, the music spoke blog, um, talking about this uh, recently saying basically entrepreneurship, like those, you, uh, you gain skills and certain at certain times, mm -hmm. so, you know, so that, you know, yeah, I, I may have, uh, a lot of skill, um, writing a fugue, but that's not going to help me to build a house. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, or tools. I have a, I have a hammer. I know how to use it. It's not going to yeah. help me write a fugue. And entrepreneurship skills, yeah, they're they're going to help you with X, Y, and Z. You know, with some marketing, with you know, yeah. promotion, with uh, you know, time management and all of that. But it's not going to help you write your music. Yeah, that's a different. Yeah, skill set. Yeah. I, I think about this a lot in terms of when is the right time for people to be gaining certain skills and when are they ready? You know, because for many people while they're in school, yeah. they're, they're maxed out with really just dealing with the artistry and the mm -hmm. skill and the craft of what they're mm -hmm. working on. Um, and I think the, the, the toughest thing right now is just the cost of education. Uh, because people are coming out with these massive debts and it means it scrunches the time that you have to make really tough decisions mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, what, what you're investing in mm -hmm. and what your, your options are. But I think, I think that there's a way to do this. There's so much attention paid to the idea of entrepreneurial mindset mm -hmm. and um, the, I think I think there's a lot of good that can come with this, mm -hmm. but it needs to be attached to concrete skills that are marketable. And so, the, and also this, the not just the knowledge or, or understanding of the initiative, but the actual willingness to to take that on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just wondering, Dennis, for you, are there skills that you wished you had learned when you were in school? Oh man. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Now, um, oh goodness. Um, I think for me, it would have been really helpful to understand how to reach out both effectively and, um, confidently. Mm -hmm. I, th um, I think for, for me, I'm, always reticent to reach out. I still, to this day, I'm, I'm working through this. Yeah. Of, you mean from a networking point of view or communicating with audiences or what? Uh, from, from a networking, um, like trying, reaching out to an ensemble or reaching out to a performer who's not currently yeah. within my network and trying to, to get well, to know them. I think that's why this podcast is the best thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this this forces me to reach out to yes. people. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Who was I talking to recently? Um, saying that, like, in in my wildest dreams, if I weren't doing this podcast, I would not. I I would have felt so weird emailing you. Yeah, you know, to say hi, can we talk? You know, unless I was really coming to the table with like, here's money for you know to to hire you full on. This, yeah. you know, this kind of gives me an excuse <laughs> to yeah. to be able to talk to to a, a broader range of people. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fantastic. You know, there's this there's this thing in coaching about, you know, turn the problem into the, you know, the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that that is really it. You you make it into a way that works for you. And mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect, you know, it's a perfect example of um of an entrepreneurial action that's helpful. So, mm -hmm. not just for you but for for other people. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so now with your, with your consulting, um, how, what, what, what do you do, uh, to like, who, who do you work with and, and what's your, what's your process? Yeah. Um, most of my clients have been, um, sort of in the 30, 40 year range. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't know why. That's that's kind of who who I'm getting. Um, and really interesting range of people from instrumentalists to vocalists to composers. To, you know, you name it. I've had um, singer songwriters. Um, you know, a couple of jazz people, mainly classical, whatever that means these days. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So <laughs> the the thing that's the thing that's great is, of course, I the usual thing is people are stuck in some way in their career. They, they want to be moving faster. They want to be advancing. Either they're looking for more prestigious opportunity or to make some sort of shift. And they often feel like there's a specific problem that they're looking to overcome. But of course, in the process of this, we, we end up talking about all kinds of things. And it's so fascinating to find that sometimes there's a just a little mindset thing that seems to be hung up and we're teasing that out. And then you start to see, you know, traction. So I'll just, I'll give you this example because um, I still think it was just fascinating for me. Um, had this wonderful client who... She has a duo, and she was looking to get more prestigious bookings. And they do a lot of new music and very um, interesting uh, stuff that's uh, digital-related and um, just fun. But she, she, you know, she felt like her web presence and the way she was reaching out to presenters wasn't as effective as she wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So. In this process, as she's revamping her website and all of these materials, we're trying to get down to what is distinctive, what is really special about what she has to offer. And this is inevitable when you have these kind of conversations with people. Ooh, somebody's trying to reach me. Um, we have these kind of uh, um, connections with people is that they they start to get more centered in terms of who they are, what they have to offer. And it means that when they're connecting with people, they're they're coming across in a more immediate, you know, impactful way. So we weren't very far into this process. She she has a combination of careers. She she's a performer and she's a teacher, and she was working at a sort of regional conservatory in France. And she got offered this like substantially better teaching gig in the middle of this process. And you know, we're both sitting there thinking this is not a coincidence you know (laughs) you know it was just it you know it's like you're walking taller you're you're you know making making changes and I that's the kind of thing that I really I love to see because it's a little bit like helping people align with their real purpose Mm -hmm. and feel more confident about how they present themselves yeah yeah, so I'll tell you, with some of the composers I've been working with, and I, I love these, you know, people, I, I'm so, um, it's heartwarming for me that people are willing to open up about their creative process, because all of us have challenges. You know, I'm in the middle of writing, you know, this third edition, and I've got days when I'm like pulling out my hair, and nothing's coming, and you know, whatever. So, I, you know, I have... I have a lot of uh, sympathy for, you know, and empathy for, um, for people in these situations. But it's fascinating to hear how, much, how many people are struggling with a way to get at their creative work in, a, in an immediate and concentrated way and deal with all the other distractions and be able to sort of tune it out. Mm-hmm. And that really before you can work on the promoting your career and all this other stuff, you got to figure out, okay, am I able to get that work done? Yeah. So it's been, it's been really fascinating for me as we're sort of talking through and experimenting with different ways to manage and block time, mm-hmm. deal with distractions and, just sort of think through your purpose. Yeah. I think in, in this day and age, it's very easy to, uh, to get distracted or to feel like you're pulled in so many different directions at once that, what do I work on? Do I do yeah. the creative, oh, pistachio. Um, he really wants attention. Do I do the creative work? Um, do I do the admin? Do I do the marketing? Do I do this th- thing over there that makes me money that I don't like? Yeah. But- Helps pay the bills. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. 
And then the awful thing is we're all plagued by those, you know, negative, that, that self-talk in your head. That's, you know, that, that you're editing your stuff as you're, as you're writing. It's so Mm -hmm. not helpful. Oh, I know. I know. Um, yeah. Uh, former teacher of mine used to talk about, uh, the, the way that he and, and some of his teachers thought about, well, you're just climbing up there, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thought about their writing process, that it was basically three different seating, seated positions, one leaning <laughs> forward in, you know, in the phrase, in, in yeah. whatever, the notes, then there's sitting up and looking at the section. Yeah. And then leaning back and looking at the whole. And it's really it can be deadly when you're bringing the critical voice into the, the forward uh-huh. seated position. You gotta go down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he does not want to. Okay. You can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the, or the fourth, when your head is on the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're pounding. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, this is terrible. I'm not going to remember this composer's name, but I'll send it to you afterwards. This wonderful guy that I met um, when I was speaking at the Imani Winds Chamber Music Festival because they have a comp- you know, composition aspect of it. Anyway, he wrote to me afterwards and said that his teacher, his former teacher, had this wonderful um, way of describing when he thought really the the best of the of the music that he had written like what sort of what the purpose was and it was he said like the way to to judge it ultimately is if it makes the performers feel better about themselves mm. I like that. and i thought this was such a fabulous thing because <laughs> and, and when i first heard about it it was teasing my, you know it was in the back of my mind and i'm thinking god is that i was the case because when you've got a really tough score that you've just like killed yourself for 20 hours like trying to decipher yeah. do you feel better about yourself and the the conclusion i came to is yeah like if you if you've mastered that thing and you've sort of figured out how this piece works. It's like you, you know, it's part of you in a in a yeah. special way. Yeah. And I I hadn't thought about that idea, and I and I wrote back to the composer because I thought really we could look at any of our jobs that way is to help the other mm-hmm. person feel better about themselves because yeah. how's the world going to get any better if we don't do that? <laughs> exactly. But it's yeah, such a like it's. I don't think it's really selfless. It's it's a but it's a very generous way of mm-hmm. of thinking about the purpose of the of the work that you're making. So yeah, hmm. yeah. and yeah, generosity is an idea that keeps coming back and back and back on this show. That, that, yeah, it's, it's an idea that I I really like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's good. With my own music, I, I tend to to aim for. A reward you know like not hmm. not like you know oh let's give the audience a reward or a little bit of a, a rest finally <laughs> but, but having a sense of if this being a rewarding experience of yeah together yeah, there's there's all the difficult stuff oh. and and when it comes yeah. together that it feels rewarding it feels like you've come through it and it you it's a positive yeah of, of you know yeah i you know, I, I did something with this. Right. And that, yeah, yeah, that's when, a, when I perform, like that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a funny thing because, because of the time that we spend with a, a work mm-hmm. that you, that is, this is about not, not just making convincing structure that you feel like you've landed in a new place, mm-hmm. but that you've, genuinely been a part of something i think that's actually the that's when i hear reward this way i think about it like mm-hmm. you have to really be participating to that mm-hmm. and i and i think that that's what audiences these days are looking for more and more not a passive experience but something mm-hmm. that is really involving so mm-hmm. huh i was at a concert just this last week in boston because there's a new there's a new music festival that's just starting. This was the first annual. So they're taking all of the new music 
groups in the Boston area and kind of making a mini festival that each one of them was participating. And there's something like 35 new music groups. I mean, it's, it's a crazy number. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard anything about this, but Maddie Kovler, the composer, he does a lot of musical theater stuff and he's Brooklyn based, but he okay. went to school in Boston. Anyway, he had an excerpt. No, this wasn't an excerpt. It's a 15 minute opera. Mm -hmm. um, that is about, uh, uh, Melania Trump and the two ex-wives and this is the best part he has a part in there for countertenor Trump's hair is played by a countertenor <laughs> and it was just a fabulous concert because nice. everything on this concert was just so intriguing there's a mm -hmm. guy who played a big chunk of styrofoam with a cello bow <laughs> um, a composer it's, it's this improvised piece you could not imagine the sounds that he was getting out of this thing and the whole audience was enthralled for like yeah. three or four minutes listening to this thing and um, Julian Walkner um, you know at Trinity Music I think that's the church Trinity Music in in New York you know way down near near Wall Street um, he has a new opera being premiered this next year and they did they did one aria from it and it was amazing nice. so I just I was so happy this I I don't get to a ton of concerts these days mm -hmm. really um, mainly because I'm too busy writing that's a bad thing but um, <laughs> it's so wonderful to go to a concert where there's this unexpected stuff I think that's the most fabulous thing that really gets you listening in a new way yeah totally and not just like the same old yeah that's being yeah <laughs> and, and you know it makes you excited for the future of music because I, I i just thought that was it was great yeah that sounds i i wish that i had seen that hopefully i'll get hopefully i'll get to see the uh, melania yeah yeah well i can send you a link they had like a promo of it so oh great yeah and after tomorrow we'll find out you know if there'll be yeah. an extension <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, this election cycle needs to end. <laughs> and it will, it will. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, with, with all the, the consulting you do and, and working with, with composers, you, you mentioned that, that some of the, the issues um, that you come up with are like time management and, and like, you know, creating creative blocks. Um, mm -hmm. oh, what are what's some of your advice on 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 that, or maybe some of the other topics that yeah. continually come up with with composers? Yeah. Well, um, just in terms of managing time, the mm -hmm. idea of creating time blocks, mm -hmm. so that you you can look at your weekly schedule and figure out well when when do I have blocks of time for composing mm -hmm. and are those in the ideal spots you know if you if you have discretionary time during the day when mm -hmm. when does it make sense to do this and with people and with myself lately the the idea of creating some kind of ritual before you start and this is to help you get centered to get mm -hmm. in the right frame of mind if you've got a ton of negative thoughts running in your head like, oh my God, this isn't going well. I'm so afraid about this deadline, you know, all of that stuff happening. Um, I had a mentor once who, who suggested write it all by hand mm -hmm. on a piece of paper, like take dictation because all of the, you know, horrible stuff that's going on in your head that you're telling yourself, mm -hmm. get it out on the page and then don't read it, but burn it or shred it. Nice. So this idea of like really purging it and saying, okay, now I got that cleaned out of my head and I'm ready to sit down and do the work. So if you, if your starting time in the morning is 9am, it might mean that at eight, you have to figure out, okay, I need to have my coffee before I start. I need to take a walk. I need to, you know, do this. But um, the biggest thing is to not sleep with your cell phone. Mm. And to, if you have it turned off or charging in the other room, mm -hmm. then, and you don't sort of pollute your mind with any of that stuff um, before you start, no texting, no instant messaging, no, and no phone calls, whatever, 
the chance of you being able to sit down and really focus go up astronomically. So I think for many people, like the habits around um, social media and, you know, emails and everything, and the compulsiveness around that is really, um, is, a, is a big issue. Yeah. So yeah. The, the other thing that people do um, is use the Pomodoro technique. You know what that is with the yeah. tomato uh, kitchen timer, 20 yeah. minutes. And I'm a big fan of being very intentional. So if you know that you're working or trying to solve a problem with a certain phrase and you say, okay, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes on this mm. and just focus on that. And at, when the 20 minutes are done, you'll either have something um, or, and you, or you'll be into it and be able to go further, mm -hmm. um, or you'll have done something and say to yourself, I can come back to this later, like I know where I am. Yeah. But sometimes we tell ourselves we're working and focused and we're not. Yeah. So I think it's about getting real about that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, know yeah. I know one of my terrible habits. I'm sorry, I can, I'm sorry. can you hear my voice. My voice. Yeah. Right <laughs> Um, I start my day with the phone. Yeah. Like, a, it's actually a chunk of time. Yeah. Email, games, just something. Right. And then I'm a little scattered for a while. Yeah. So, so think about that. I mean, even if you just experimented for mm -hmm. a week to see what would happen if you said to yourself, I'm not doing any online stuff until whatever you can make it, you can make it 1030, you can make it 11, like you can actually get a lot of your work done, your priority work done mm -hmm. first. The, you know, we think that the world is going to blow up if we don't respond to something and people will get used to it. You know, they can wait a couple hours before they hear from you. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> so it's not, it's not Putin on the other end. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really like the idea of uh, having a, a ritual before yeah. starting a particular task. That's something I've I've done some reading about habits and habit stacking and yeah, um, that, that yeah. usually it, it's like that signifier to say mm -hmm. once you're once you've gotten into this habit, that right? It it puts you in the in the mindset that you want to be in. Yeah, and that's that's really true if you're. Otherwise, we're waking up in the morning and we're thinking, oh, my God, what do I have to do today? And you make, have to make a whole series of decisions that already feels onerous as opposed to if you know for the week your writing time, you know, is in the morning, 9 to 1030 or whatever it is, you've got that blocked out and you don't have to make up your mind. You just have to sit down and do it. Mm -hmm. so you, have to, you have to do something, though, for basically a month in a row before it becomes a real habit. So you have to give yourself a chance on that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's really important. I think there's other things you can schedule. I used to resist this because I thought, ah, I don't want to be living according to some, you know, regimented thing. But there's a relief in knowing there's a certain day in the week when I take care of this errand because it works out better and I mm -hmm. leaves me free. Like I really know when the free time is. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's some advantages. Yeah, totally. And and with uh, the habit, try, uh, trying to form habits, letting yourself off the hook if you screw up once, but then getting back on the horse. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Because then you, the more you don't do it, the more it becomes a not yeah. habit again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it can help to have an accountability buddy to check mm -hmm. in on you. Um, and sometimes people work better, you know, in a room with someone else working. And some people do work better if they're in a coffee shop. So, you know, to figure out where where is best for you. I think it yeah, makes sense. I, I, I did um, so much, like 2007, 2008, I spent a lot of time in coffee shops composing. Like yep. I had my earbuds yeah. in and I was composing directly into Sibelius. Um, yeah. But I wrote a whole song cycle. Uh, and and did did so much great stuff with yeah. you know the ambient annoying music and people right. being around me and it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and right now I work out of my apartment and so it's me and the cats and that's not working as well. <laughs> ah, 
so maybe you want to go back to the coffee house. You know, I've, um, you know, my experience with that is sometimes a certain amount of um, nearby distraction forces you to to really focus in on what you're doing. So it's it's it works as a, like a contrast or like a barrier to help you know I'm really. I'm really on this. Yeah. So I would say do it if it's if if bring the cats to the <laughs> bring the cats with you. <laughs> so much trouble lately. <laughs> I oh my god, we got back from our honeymoon uh, on October first. We waited a year wow. to, to do it. Um, and, Congratulations! <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm gonna get get back, and I'm like changing. I'm going to change my day around. I'm going to do more mm-hmm. of this like block thing. Yeah. And then the first thing one gets sick. And so I've got, um, t- you know, then the other one gets sick. And then I had a week, uh, two, like two weeks ago, every day I got blindsided by something new. I'm like, uh, st- no, <laughs> stop it. Yeah, <laughs> it can yeah, be very yeah. And so now, now that the cats are healthy again, they can stay home. I'll go out to the coffee shop. And work. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully accomplish something again. Yeah. No, no, no. That's good. I, um, I'm also thinking about people who know they have to have something done by a certain date and they figure out, okay, how many measures is that? How much am I going to have to crank out per day, per mm-hmm. week? There's nothing like, you know, getting that real with yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. I've yeah. The liked- other thing I was going to – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was say I've I've always sort of liked the idea of um, for you know I would like to really be able to sit down every day and give myself several hours and and come up with so much and you know if you if you are able to do to consistently create mm-hmm. if you do the math of like okay I'll write fifteen seconds of music yeah. a day, and maybe that's your goal and yeah. days you'll reach it sometimes some days only get. 10 seconds, some days you'll get a whole minute. Um, but if you do like just the simple math of, all right, if I do this five, yeah. five days a week, you know, right. take the weekends off, give myself yeah. some vacation time too, you end up with so much music. I think uh, it's if you write a minute a day for like, you know, five days a week, 50 weeks of the year, you end up with four hours of music. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And yeah, it, and if if you can create those habits, and yeah. you're gonna have different days of yeah. productivity. Absolutely. So you've you've read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, yes? I've read about half of it. Oh, I love that yeah. book. It's 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 on my phone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Get to the get to the last part because um, even though he's he's got a kind of spiritual woo woo you know approach mm-hmm. to this. Don't let that bother you. I and I've told other other people this too because um, you can interpret that in so many different ways. That's really helpful for getting past resistance. And I just love his very kind of working class. You know what is he, he has this wonderful phrase about the lunch pail, hard hat. You know, straightforward approach. Mm-hmm. And I and I just think that that's so so helpful. Yeah, I, I yeah. like the, the workmanlike approach to yeah. creating. You know, you you show up at your desk and you write. Yeah. And yeah. you're only going to improve. Yeah. I think it's I think it's good. The the other thing I was gonna say, Dennis, is that um and this is something that I, I find all musicians have trouble with is um introducing themselves and talking about why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. So this makes writing a bio agony and it really makes for composers describing their own music just torturous so so hard so i i did write this series for um new music box which i just which just started there's a a series of four um articles so i'll be so interested if you're if your listeners have thoughts, I, I have to say it took me so many hours to find examples <laughs> that I thought were really good because there's so much bad stuff out there. <laughs> and, and it's awful because we, we look to models that really aren't that good. So we mm-hmm. kind of figure, okay, this is the norm. 
but if you're trying to describe what your music is like and maybe why you write and describe it in a way that a non-musician would would find engaging um, or a concert presenter or a or a performer in an ensemble would would get intrigued and say oh i'd like to have a conversation with that composer like that that takes some thinking but it also takes setting aside the jargon and the analytical stuff that we've all grown up with and and also the all of the ego stuff the comparison trap all of that craziness so i um First of all, I just have to say it's it's not an easy thing, but I just find it so worthwhile when you read um, a description of a composer's music. You, all you've got is the words, and you absolutely say to yourself, I have got to hear this. I am mm-hmm. so curious about it. If It's a call to action. If, if it makes you want to click play, then you've really, you've really done something. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading these these posts. Well, I, I'm hoping that there's some also some pushback or or some people <laughs> say, hey, you know, this is a great one, you know, pointing me in some more directions because I'm telling you, I looked for hours and hours. <laughs> but the the uh, it was just it was it was interesting the inventiveness of the ones that that do work. They're not they're not all of the same model, mm-hmm. and also when you look at an example of one that you think is working. It's not something that you can copy. It's not about great adjectives, you know? (laughs) So I think it is about, you know, asking yourself. uh, Sometimes people are very reluctant to try to describe all of their music, and that's, of course, intimidating. But you can talk about the most recent project or the kinds of things that you've been more fascinated with lately in your music. Um, You can also talk about what first turned you on to composing mm-hmm. um, or what it is, what is it that you listen for um, either as you're writing, like, you know, how do you conceive of this? I think for some people it's a, it's a little bit of a spooky thing because it's their creativity and they kind of don't want to, you know, mess with the mojo there. <laughs> and I, I get that, but I think there's, there's other angles that you could look at this that's not so doesn't feel so invasive. Mm-hmm. Gives the reader um, a sense of who you are as a real person, and if it makes them want to have a conversation with you, that is a great starting point. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways you can come at it, like obliquely, that don't feel so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you must have some good examples. So listen, after after we do this, if you can send me some that you've that you've liked, I I would love to see them. And anybody else who's who's, yeah. who's watching or listening, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look at some things and and, and I've seen some bad ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, we don't have to point those out. Yeah, I love it. Sometimes you you don't know what they're describing. It's it's just so <laughs> yeah. it's so obtuse and. Uh, multisyllabic and you're thinking, whoa, are we talking about plumbing here or music? So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what are some little tips you would think uh, think of uh, to, to maybe come at this from a different angle? Um, I usually say to people when they're thinking about writing a bio to make a start just by making a list of things that could possibly be in the bio Mm -hmm. and they could just be an idea for an anecdote um you know things about your musical training you know um pieces the the most unusual pieces that you've written for because they may trigger ideas in your head Mm -hmm. the other thing that can help is to think about how people have described your music back to you Mm -hmm. especially non-musicians and what i find is when people are at their own concerts of their own works, you know, you're on some kind of weird, uh, you know, strange zone where, you know, after the concert, people are, are telling you nice things and you don't really hear most of them. Um, 
and you know so so that's part of it to start trying to remember some of those comments because sometimes the most intriguing even kind of offbeat things that you might have gotten especially after people have heard recordings or whatever and you start to think oh i've heard stuff like that before you know what what does that really mean mm-hmm. and it may give you ideas for you know phrases and um pieces parts of this that you can use yeah yeah, and I think that the the origin story about how you became a musician or what turned you on to music or maybe what the first piece of music that really moved you, what that felt like, hmm. um, may also help you lead into why do you write. Yeah. So why do you write, Dennis? Why do I write? Uh, I write because I have to. <laughs> You know, I think that's what we all say. Like, I, I write because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not fair. Um, yeah. I, well, I write because I want to, well, I write what I want to hear. It, it's that Ned Roram thing, mm-hmm. write what you want to hear. I, yeah. I write the music that other people can't give me. Yeah. Um, and if you feel like a piece is coming on, what, <laughs> what, what does that feel like? Or what, what happens? Oh, sleepless nights. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of, uh, actually just the other day, I was walking down the street and got a little thing in my head and I had to just whip out the phone and type, type it in. Yeah. Just, you know. And so what, yeah, what you got a, a piece of a phrase or a gesture or a harmonic. Yeah. A little accompaniment. Progression. A little accompaniment pattern yeah. that just showed up. Oh, there's so much that you can do with that. It, it can turn into this, it can turn into that, and then it can inform the whole piece. Just wow. it's immediately I'm I'm developing ideas. Yeah, yeah. Now neat. It's like um well, it remind I don't remember who this was, that there was a woman who was a poet who described up. Mm-hmm. A poem coming at her. Actually, it's in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, um, Big Magic, mm. um, which also is a terrific book about creativity. And she and she's describing a poet who would be like running in a field, getting home as fast as she could in order to write down this poem because it was like going to blast through her. <laughs> so. That's a cool thing. But, you know, Dennis, even your description of this and the Mm -hmm. idea that it was this fragment, kind of a groove that you were going to play with, Mm -hmm. that told me a lot about, you know, kind of who you are and how how all-encompassing this experience is of Mm -hmm. receiving something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's that's a neat thing to know. What you want to realize is your audience is fascinated by this kind of stuff because they don't have that experience, and they're wondering where does this music come from. Mm-hmm. So, I've, I'm thinking, you know, it may be like five years from now, everyone will just have um, video bios of that, and the, you know, and it'd be a cool thing just to have this little bit of a of a, you know, someone just telling you, hey, this is why I write. Yeah. And That's cool. describing That's cool. it. Yeah. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that, that I, that I do, that I, I try to, to use it in like program notes now. Um, and I think it could turn into some, some interesting stuff with, uh, with bios and, and everything. Um, I keep development diaries and I've, I've mentioned these before and oh. actually another, um, I know there's one a, com- a composer friend of mine who who heard about that idea here and he's doing it uh, for some of his own works, but I think that that can be a nice entree for, yeah. for people to, to see what the process is. Oh and, yeah, and you can cull from those to 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 tell your story really. Yeah. So Morton Gould did something like this when he was winning one of these big awards. He sent, I don't know, I, I, I blogged about this because his daughter, actually, uh, this is so funny. Um, um, Jeffrey James, who's a publicist for a lot of new music groups, he, he had read one of my blog posts and said, and w- which was about creative blocks. And mm-hmm. um, he put me in touch with Morton Gould's daughter, who had this, like, this thing, and she sent it to me. She sent to me a, a PDF of it, and he had made this diary of his process before a deadline, and like 
you know, completely dry, no ideas, you know, he's like ready to kill himself, you know, and then you, you see these changes and then like stuff's coming at him too fast. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's, it, it's, a, it's a very shortened version of a diary, but fascinating in exactly the same way. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that that's a great thing. It, it, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm actually going to be putting in the backs of the scores as well. I'll shorten, you know, shorten it, collect nice. it, put in a couple of pages of like the manuscript, and yeah, just, it's it's. I, I talk about it. It's it's DVD extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> Jeff Nitch did a kind of um, diary like that for that symphony that he wrote that had this geological formation thing. This was in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Do you know about this? No. He um he he did a. And maybe you want to interview him, like you know, yeah. at, at some point. He's a neat guy. Um, he runs the entrepreneurship center there, but he's a composer. Okay. And, and he collaboration between the geological society, which was having like a big annual convention, um, writing a piece that was around um, the geology of the area. So it mm -hmm. was it was based on these ideas, and he and and it was a joint commission with the. Um, Boulder Symphony, I think it was. Okay. So in, in leading up to this, leading up to the premiere, there were these, it was like a video diary of his process, nice. uh, which was fascinating. So yeah. yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, that, that neat, that thing about getting it in the, in the score is terrific too. So yeah, I think that, that's cool. kind of a fun thing. There's a, an author who I, I follow some of his work and he, um, he, live blog or live vlogs like he, he he's got you know like youtube streaming thing going while he's yeah. writing his drafts and oh my the, god and the you know and he's doing is that the whole process is like online you can watch him write a novel and oh his god, friends scary. eat it up they love it because he, they, you know they can see on his face when he's he figured something out if he's having a problem and he's talking he's talking it through yeah. too so he's talking yeah he, he's talking into the ether or to his fans really about yeah. oh, I'm having this problem right now I don't know and he'll just talk it out and then yeah. oh wait yeah that's yeah cool that's well, a, that's a cool little thing it, I wouldn't want anyone doing that with me because there would be too much cursing. Oh, <laughs> Well, we know that there would be a ton of cursing if it was me because this yeah. this this show has an explicit rating for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. What can you do? Oh. <laughs> so another another topic that you so, mentioned but So I Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say before we close, I don't know if yeah. there's another topic too. But I, I want to make sure that I make this available to people if they want to do. Yeah, I was um, going to bring this up. Like to do one of these, um, you know, complimentary consultations. I'm mm. happy to do like a 30-minute thing um, with people. And, and all they have to do is write to me on my, um, on my site. It's AngelaBeaching.com. And Beaching has two E's. Mm -hmm. And they'll find a place on the page and just say, I you know, saw you with with Dennis, I would love to, you know, do one of these half hour things. And then we can talk about, you know, their kind of career mm -hmm. um, situation and maybe hope, hopefully give a few ideas and also mm -hmm. let them know about coaching if, if they might be interested in that. So happy to do that. We can do that until for a month. So we'll do yeah. that until December. What did we say? 14th, 15th? Yeah, I think the 14th we said. Yeah. So, so this, up until this will come December fourteenth on November fourteenth. So yeah, yeah. So up until December fourteenth, um, two thousand sixteen. Happy mm -hmm. to do that. Awesome. That's yeah. that's, that's so, wonderful and so generous. Thank you for for. Offering. Oh yeah, happy happy to do that. <laughs> Good. Cool. So, uh, cool. sorry. Every so often, I get I get my voice. Um, do we want to touch a little bit on on networking to to wrap things up? Oh, sure. Um, since I know it's your favorite topic. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, um, because the Chamber Music America conference is coming up in January, mm -hmm. 
And I just have to say that this is probably one of the best conferences that I know of for composers. And it might seem like an unlikely thing, but they always do like the ASCAP awards. There's usually usually a BMI reception. And the, it's a small enough conference that people really do get to see each other and get to talk in between sessions and whatever. That's the first place I met Alex Shapiro. Um right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, and there are composers who come who, as Alex has done um, for a number of years, um, they get one of the booths. You, you can, you know, rent, purchase, you know, whatever, a spot in the conference, the way the artist managers do. Only you're there as a composer and you can meet with people. You show your scores. You, you have stuff that people can listen to. Um, it's one way to connect with, um, with not only with a bunch of chamber players, but also with presenters and managers, and just to be more a part of the community, because it's very easy, easy to feel isolated in the work yeah. that we do, in the creative work that we do. And this business about how are you going to connect with people who could play your music, who could champion your music, um, and how are you going to gather more ideas for potential collaborations or just artistic ideas? We have fabulous um, showcasing of new works. Um, there's always sessions that explain how the CMA commissioning grants um, operate and how you can apply for those. And you can talk with people who have gotten those grants and find out how to do better. So I, I really, I really do recommend it. And if you've got any people um, listening or watching who are still in school, it is dirt cheap to go as a student. I think it was like 25 bucks or 35 bucks. I mean, so really no excuse if you're, if you're in New York or you have friends that you can crash on a couch, I would, I would really take advantage of that. Um, the other thing I would say about networking is my experience is most people feel like networking is about schmoozing someone in a, position of authority and trying to get them to give you something or do something for you. So that makes them feel icky because mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm trying to manipulate someone or I'm pushing my agenda on someone and it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. And I think when you have that instinct, um, that's important because Net, real networking is not about manipulating people or asking for something inappropriate or just, you know, it's, you wouldn't run up to someone on the street and say, Hey, can you get married to me? You know, like that, that it's a courting process, right? So if, if, if you want someone to know about your music and your, you know, it's a player whose work you admire um, you need to get to know that person. So going to their concerts and talking to them afterwards and um, not having the first thing out of your mouth be, I'm a composer, here's my card, you know, let me send you a score. I mean, because that's, that's what we're afraid we're going to turn into that guy or that mm -hmm. girl. Um, and you don't have to do it that way. I mean, networking is really about uh, feeling like there's a community and wanting to be the the person that you want to be mm -hmm. in that community. And instead of saying, well, the person I really want to be is just very shy and stay to myself. No, <laughs> <laughs> the person I want to be is someone who can be of service to other people, someone who takes an interest in other people, um, someone who collaborates. Mm -hmm. So taking an interest in what other people are doing is probably the best tip I can give anyone for networking. Um, because when you show interest in their stuff, they're also going to be curious about you and you don't know what's possible from that, but you want to, you want to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Totally. So I, I always think about the first couple times I went to any sort of conference or me, you know, at a reception after a concert, I am not, I'm not an extrovert and I, um, I definitely get shy in these, you know, big situations. And there's always someone out there like, you know, hi, how are you? You know, being like, you know, shaking everybody's hand. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I, you know, just can't do this. 
So I'll go to the food line or the drink line and I'll find someone else who looks a little bit disenfranchised like me. And, you know, we'll talk about the weather to start with, or I'll ask, you know, how's this going for you? Have you been to this before? And chances are you just end up having a conversation with someone. You don't know what's going to happen from this. I've had so many really interesting conversations with presenters or composers or other people that I wouldn't have imagined, but I kind of pushed myself to start. Mm -hmm. So just start. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. (laughs) 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 I, I, I frequently, like more and more, I find myself being like the one with the drink kind of off to the side, like everybody else is too, so free and easy. And I've lost this. What happened to me in the past 10 years? Oh. <laughs> now just find someone else who's not, you know, well, there's two things. You can find someone else who's alone or someone mm-hmm. else who's waiting in the line and just start something up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or you can look for a group that's not, ju- not just two people. So, mm-hmm. And if you stand a little bit to the side of the group, you'll tell by body language whether someone is going to open up and let you in. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they will, and they'll mm-hmm. include you in. Um, and if they don't, you don't take this personally. You just say, hey, you know, they're, they're, they're preoccupied. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. that's, you just have to move on to something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to play a game with myself. I would say before an event like that, I would say, I want to have a conversation with three people. And as long as I wasn't saying 15, you know, I mean, I'll like, okay, three, I can do three. <laughs> and then I can leave if I'm, if I'm too nervous. Right. So it's, it can be good to, to set a, to set a benchmark goal there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're not setting the goal. I'm, I'm going to get three commissions. Right. Right. Exactly. Performances. I'm. I'm gonna blah blah blah. It's like no. I'm just gonna talk to three people. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. If people may they want their expectations are way beyond what's actually possible because if you think about what it would take to go mm-hmm. from I don't know this person at all to a commission. That's that is a courtship mm-hmm. process, and it's real. You you can't rush from A to Z. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, totally. Well, we're just over the hour mark here. So uh, is there anything else you want to add before we, we wrap up? No, do you, I'm just curious, what, what are you working on right now? Uh, right now I am attempting to finish a, um, a small orchestra piece. I've, I've had it on the back burner for most of the summer um, for it, um, kind of a good high school level group. Mm. Um, I'm, it's going to be a gift to my high school orchestra director. Oh, nice. Ah, so do you have a deadline? No, she doesn't know what's coming. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just writing it. Um, but I've, you know, I've got some, I've got a, I'm stuck on this on this one section and I have to power through it. Yeah, good, good. I'm just going to say youth orchestras, that is such a missed opportunity for so many composers mm-hmm. because um, they often get more rehearsal time, better quality recordings, like the whole nine yards. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, wow. I mean, the, I, also the idea of being sort of a composer in residence for, you know, one of those elite youth orchestras could yeah. be really good. Ooh, yeah, that, that would, those sound like they're great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so think about it, because I mean, it sounds like you're yeah. onto something there. Yeah, it, well, you know, I know that, that that particular niche is badly underserved. Yeah. Um, my, that my former orchestra director, she has such a tough time finding yeah. interesting reps. Uh, is it, uh, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Now you got me curious. I want to hear. So neat. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Well, well, again, thank Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I, I totally appreciate your offer to the listeners. Um, that's fantastic. I hope they all um, take you up on that. Um, yeah. Do my, my, little, my pleasure. 
Yeah. So uh, let, let's make sure we we know where, where they go for that and where they can find you in general. Oh, sure. Um, AngelaBeaching.com and Beaching has two E's. Um, and I wrote the book Beyond Talent. You can easily find that online as well. But yeah, yeah, through my website, easiest way to reach me. Sweet. Awesome. So uh, stick around for a second. I'm going to do my little call to action. Um, and then we'll, we'll be, go, go to the green room again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so everybody, uh, call to action this week is um, email Angela. Do it. Uh, this is an opportunity that you should not miss. Uh, she's fantastic at what she does, and you should totally take advantage of this amazing opportunity. Um, and, and that's it. So thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you.